You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello there! Welcome to today's podcast. Thank you very much for spending time with me. I super appreciate you. You know I do. I want to get right into this episode with my dude, Ray. But before I do, there's just a little bit of something I gotta say. This episode is dropping on Monday, May 16th. Coincidentally, or I don't know, it's not a coincidence, but whatever. I am flying out to Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're in Nashville and you're going to be in Nashville from the 16th through the 23rd, I am planning on having some sort of Tone Mob meetup. I hope that works. I know this is a little bit last minute, but I am planning on, I don't know, meeting somewhere to check out some guitars or possibly meeting to grab some bites. I'm planning on doing that on Saturday, Saturday the 21st. So barring any unseen circumstances, Pay attention to the Tone Mob socials. If you're in the Facebook group, pay attention there. If you are in the text chat, look for some messages from me. Instagram, all the places you usually hear from me. I will be announcing something a little more concrete very soon, but know that I am in Nashville and I'm looking to eat some food and hang out with some Tone Mobsters. So that's it. That's all for this one. Let's get right into this episode with my dude, Stay Metal Ray. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Stay Metal Ray. What's going on, dude? What's up, man? Woo. Thank you so much for having me on. I really sincerely appreciate it. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just can't wait to talk all things guitar and whatever else we got going on. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, we might talk about guitars. I don't know. Like, I hope so, dude. <laughs> it happens sometimes, but sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Right it's on. shocking how much... Not guitar content happens on this podcast, but I suppose Whatever. that's the nature of conversation, right? Whatever happens, happens, man. I'm here for it. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure that some of your people are coming over here and they're familiar with you already, but I know that like I don't just have fans of heavy music that listen to this podcast. There's people from all genres that that tune in and talk about you know delay pedals and whatever um right. so for those people who aren't familiar with you maybe we can go you know a thirty thousand foot view backstory and we can go from there all right well you want me to start from like wait I, i'm confused you want me to start third from, that, from, say that from, again that confused me <laughs> oh okay well i can say things very confusing i, I just want to get your backstory when you started playing uh, what, okay. what got you down the road that led you to where you are today Okay, I thought you said I want a 30,000-foot, like, tell everybody who you are with a 30,000-foot something or other. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I just, it's a <laughs> random figure of speech. Uh, no worries, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so everybody, my, name, my name's Ray. Um, I go by the moniker Stay Metal Ray on predominantly YouTube as well as Instagram and TikTok and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, um, so 
obviously I'm a guitar player and I've I've been doing it for give or take I don't know like 19 years now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's 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 hasn't been like a consistent, but it's been off and on for like 19 years. Um, but it all started like at the age of like 11 um, when my dad got me my first. It was actually an acoustic guitar. Um, it was called an applause, which is like the squire to Fender equivalent of ovation. Oh yeah, um, I remember yeah, those like applause ovation. Yeah, like it's yeah. kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that was my first guitar. Um, reason why I got it is because my dad had played guitar, and my dad was a huge fan of uh, heavy music and just rock and roll, all the above, um, as well as my mom to some degree. So music was always around and in the house and stuff. So um, that was just kind of like my initial love for the music, and then the guitar came a couple years later. But I played that uh, applause for a while, and then I got this on Christmas Day. Ooh. In 2003. Oh, yeah. BC Rich. <laughs> yeah, so this was a BC Rich Kerry King starter pack with, like, the tribal, you know, warlock and everything. But I painted it like Eddie Van Halen shortly after I got it, as you do. I like that. Um, yeah, thanks, man. But, uh, yeah, like, that that was, like, just the very beginning and infancy of my love for the guitar and all that. Just being around it. And when I was, like, you know, 11, 12 years old, I was fortunate enough to get two guitars. That was like the beginning of it all. Nice. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. And what were you listening to at the time? Oh, man, I was listening to a whole bunch of stuff. Um, again, just kind of growing up with my dad's music and stuff. Um, he was a big fan of Zeppelin and like the Sex Pistols and Van Halen, like that kind of classic rock, but also he had a little bit of like a punk new wave flavor to him, like the Clash he liked. So I got all his music um, at a really young age. But then, like, when it was my turn to, like, discover my own music, um, this is, like, when I was, like, six or seven, and bands like Limp Bizkit were really popular. So, like, <laughs> Significant Other um, and and Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Flavored Water. Um, I was listening to that. Uh, Linkin Park, Hybrid Theory. Oh, yeah. Um, Creed, Human Clay. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was super pumped on that record. But, yeah, like... It's funny, like I had a, an amalgamation of, of music, stuff that I was listening to by default because I was always around my dad. Um, and also, too, just growing up in like late 90s, early 2000s, getting hit with all the the funny new metal music that you know, <laughs> I still love to this day. But that's what I was listening to at that point in time. It's funny how that has, you know, I, there was this weird time frame where all that was popping off, you know. Everyone was going around screaming Papa Roach songs. And, uh, yeah. like, Hybrid Theory is one that I remember really clearly. I remember I'm sitting in my mom's, like, Chevy Cavalier in a Safeway parking lot while she's, like, she's like, do you want to sit in here and listen to the radio or do you want to come into the grocery store? I'm like, I want to sit in here and listen to the radio, oh, you know. Wow. Like, I don't remember. Really young. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, Linkin Park came on. And that was the first time that I had recognized that I was hearing like straight up screaming in music. Do you and remember I what song like, it was? It was the, uh, it was the, uh, one step closer. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. The big one, you know, that yeah, I yeah. was just like, I was like, you can just do that. Like people can just scream at the top of their lungs in a song. And that's like, I'm like, this is awesome. I remember just hearing <laughs> that and just freaking out, like totally yeah. like, I'm like, this is what I'm into, like Lincoln Park, really, like you know, people might want to like say say whatever they want to say about that band, but they they opened the doors to a whole world of extremely heavy music for me that I may never have ever like sought out, you know. From there, it's like I found Slipknot, and then you know, you just go further and further down the rabbit hole. It's like right. ah, converge. I like this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so funny, like yeah, I was like. I, I like to think we're probably in the same ballpark and age. Like, I just turned 30, so, like, I was real young during this this time. But it was so crazy, like, when I was 9 or 10 years old. Like, he, like you said, hearing heavy screaming music, one, on the radio, and mm -hmm. two, to where, like, it wasn't, like, terrifying or whatever. Like, it was, like, it was listenable. So it was, it was crazy how, like, you know, Chester and or Linkin Park kind of pushed all that into the acceptable mainstream for that time frame. It was kind of cool. It's really cool. I think they probably don't get the credit that they deserve for how many kids discovered, like, actually, like, more extreme 
metal through Lincoln Park. And it sounds yeah. maybe kind of cheesy to say, but like everyone has a band like that. People discover punk through Blink-182, you know, like yeah. that's how it goes. Like you, you never, very, very few people, I mean, maybe my kids are like somewhat the exception, but very few people just like wake up and they're like, ah, deathcore. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I've been listening to At The Gate since I was a small child, you know, yeah, like, like ah, not, not, ready to start first grade and, you know, going to learn how to spell and <laughs> on, the, on the way to school or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. just start there. Yeah. No, no. You start yeah. with, you start with, you know, whatever your parents listen to. And then eventually you, you branch out from there. And my parents were, you know, they wouldn't just let me do anything that I wanted, which is good because I would have definitely killed myself. Um, but they were extremely tolerant of my musical like explorations, even though it was not at all what they were into. Like, yeah, my parents, like my mom didn't really like, she kind of like was like, she scratched her chin a little bit when I, the first time I brought an unearth record home, but like, it, it wasn't like a big deal. You know, they were definitely like, right. oh, is this all okay? Are you all right? Like, because they're used to listening to like old school country and stuff, which I love too, but it's just such a departure. You know, if you're, one day your kid's listening to Waylon Jennings and the next day they're listening to Unearth, you might be like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like it sounds like you had like, you know, your parents were like, like the cool parents in a way. Like, you know, they kind of let you, they weren't like sheltering you from like your musical endeavors and passions, right? They, they, they definitely encouraged, you know, me to play music. You know, my I've told this story a lot on the podcast, but originally I thought I was going to play drums, which I am not good at at all. Okay. Uh, but, you know, immediately instead of like learning to play, you know, just a regular rock beat, I was like, well, I want to play like System of a Down. And so I'd crank my System of a Down record in my bedroom, you know, where my mom's in the kitchen like 20 feet away. Yeah. And I'm just trying to play things I have no business playing on top of it being like a very unfamiliar music to you know, your average middle-class mom. Uh, right. And so then they, they never, like, they never told me I couldn't do it. You know, I'd have to ask permission because it's obviously loud. And I was like, can I play right. my drums today? And she'd be like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and cool, just, though. That's awesome, you know? Like, you know, yeah. def like she was, you know, encouraging that behavior because, you know, I, I, I was never a drummer, but, I, you know, I've heard a lot of the, like, I don't want to call them horror stories, but cliche stories of like kids trying to learn how to play drums and, you know, they have like, you know, it's obviously too loud. So like they have a certain time frame or, you know, whatever, like it's out in the garage and whatever. So, you know, it's cool that, you know, you had that experience, I guess, you know, growing up, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even know if I could be that patient, to be honest, with my own kids. Like, I, <laughs> I really don't know that I, <laughs> I would quite have that level of patience, even though I really want them to pursue musical things. I'm just my my son's trying to learn drums right now, and I'm just super lucky that I can be like, "Cool, come out here to the shred shed, and you yeah. learn to play drums, and you won't bother anyone." You know, right, it, right, he, right. He can just bang on them as loud and as long as he wants, and nobody's gonna care, which is really helpful. So I'm kind of spoiled you, that way. You know, over time, like he's just gonna turn into an absolute like drum monster. Like he's just gonna be so good, back, you know, in the shed, and one day he's just gonna emerge like killing it on drums i hope so i hope so he's only six and uh you know he's he's holding it a lot he's holding it down a lot better than i could have at six so yeah he's not a prodigy by any means but he's definitely like working on it and doing he's making progress so it's awesome dude that's all we can do right i mean i mean i'm still trying <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm still working on my craft i guess absolutely i'm not that good of a guitar player and i've been playing for yeah probably somewhere in the same ballpark as as you have you know 20 plus years at this point yeah. so you do it because yeah, you I love mean, it right exactly and you know i, I don't know it's kind of on a more kind of a we're kind of being like kind of silly right now but like on a serious note i've learned like over the over the years i've really have let go of that fear of like trying to be technically like proficient like you know what I mean? Like I kind of just learned over the years, like this is the, these are my, these are my skills. This is what I've got, you know, like, and do the best with it, what you will. Like that's how people develop their own styles and stuff. Cause of, you know, like their limitations of technical ability, but what somebody might lack in technicality might, you know, have more of a creative mind or whatever. So, you know, like I just, I don't know. I just kind of want to bring that up as like a talking point is like, I just, I learned over the, over the years, you don't really have to be so, focus on like how 
good you are, like objectively good you are of a musician. You know what I mean? Is that making any sense? Totally. A hundred percent. No, I, I, if I, I mean, admittedly, like when I first started doing internet stuff, I was a little more self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh was man, I'm not, uh, I'm not Steve Vai. So I, do I have any business like doing this at all? And over time, I think the big breaking point for me was actually at Nam. It was kind of a weird experience for somebody who was a little bit of a shy guitar player like i i don't okay. have a lot of interest in playing publicly i like i'm more of a recording studio player okay um, and so i was just testing some pedals out at the keely booth and literally for myself like not i wasn't demoing them i was just like right. playing guy come up he's like he thought i was the demo guy and he was like hey can you show me what that filament sounds like and blah, blah, blah. i'm like oh i don't work here <laughs> like, oh wow yeah and i i didn't do anything impressive it was just like a couple chunky riffs you know and he was like yeah. cool man thanks and then you walked i'm like oh that was this that was actually good enough for him yeah you know like he he's probably a better player than i am technically but like he was like i just want to hear what that pedal sounds like and then i realized oh for what i do people just want to hear what the pedal sounds like and sometimes if it's too complicated that's actually not helpful you know you right. just need yeah, to hear I, what it's doing exactly yeah i mean like you know I know what you mean, like, that whole, like, um, you know, you're so, at least I was personally, like, not necessarily self-conscious, but I knew there was other monster players out there. And yeah. so, like, you kind of have to, like, almost like, for me, it was, like, learn, learn like, your your niche and what you're really good at and just be really good at that. Like, be the mm-hmm. best, ver- you know, it's kind of cliche, but be the best version of yourself and not have to be so worried on, I guess, like, approval or, like I said, like, I just view it as, like, you don't have to be so technically proficient, especially in the metal genre per se. Right. You know? well, well, and I pre- I really appreciate technical proficiency, but when I think back to like my favorite songs and my favorite players, yeah. n- most of the time it's not the most technically proficient person. It's like, like who has like, the best like riffs? Like who? Uh, I'm just curious. Oh, like, I mean, off the top of my head, like, I mean, it's not that he's not good, but like I really love uh, Andy from Every Time I Die. I love how oh, the, okay. riffs, the riffs they come up with in that band are just tremendous and yeah. i don't know i don't know between andy and jordan like who writes everything exactly but some some of my favorite riffs are like every time i die riffs and they're not yeah. necessarily in fact some of my favorites are the easiest to play they just sound they're just sick like yeah, <laughs> they're just they awesome, sound right? awesome yeah uh you know i'm a big nirvana fan you know mm-hmm. i i don't think anybody would say that Kurt Cobain's the best guitar player on the planet, even himself. Uh, he, that was kind of the whole point, right? It is yeah. that he wasn't. And so just, I I too, like, grew up with a lot of punk rock stuff. And so just learning that, like, yeah, you, you can just do it. You know, you can just do yeah. your thing and let it come out. And that's good enough oftentimes. Some of the exactly. best musicians of all time are not necessarily the best musicians of all time from a technical standpoint. Right. You know, you bring up, like... Eat, like the easier riffs are like the sickest riffs. Um, whenever I teach like lessons and stuff, I always bring up the what I think is like the best metal riff of all time is two notes, and that's "Walk" by Pantera. Oh yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a minor second and a and a, a cool little bend, and that's it. Like two notes. It's the simplest riff, and it's like probably the most recognizable metal riff. Um, you know, just. It's awesome to hear every single time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be technically, um, you know, complicated. You could still impress somebody with just two notes. Yeah, I love. I love that riff. Every time you hear it, too, you know you're like, oh, you get a little stink face going. You're like, mm, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Here it, it doesn't comes. Doesn't matter where you are, a grocery store, <laughs> you know, sporting event. It's just like, yeah, it's sick every time. You know, what I mean? every single time it gets you right in the feels. You know, on the other side of the coin, there are, it's actually, I feel like, a little bit harder to find extremely technical, mu- uh, well, I want to say, I was going to say guitar players, but it probably goes out to music in general, that kind of can, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's difficult to find somebody who's like super melodically interesting while also being very technical, which is why yeah. uh, Yvette Young's like one of my favorite players, because she's oh, crazy technical, yeah. but like it's really nice to listen to at the same time. It, it's like, yeah. oh, this is pretty. And this like right. flows the way it should. But uh, sometimes people get to a little too shreddy and it just becomes, you know, and it's right. like, it's like, I don't know what to do with that. I can't headbang to that. I can't dance to that. You know? Yeah. It, I, and it, it, that's funny. You bring like, bring up a good point. Um, like, I think I'm, I'm not really the, I, 
I'm not the biggest Steve Vai fan per se, mm-hmm. but I what I and I only bring that up because I'm relatively naive to his playing and his style. But like when I think of like somebody that's like incredibly technically proficient but still melodic, I think of like Steve Vai. Yeah, and for sure. Like I said, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I'm amazed by his playing, but I'm just saying I'm not the biggest fan because I don't want to speak out of you know ignorance on his his playing. But like the decent amount, fair amount that I've listened to, it's very melodic and it's fast when it needs to be, but it still has like a chorus and it still has song structure and things like that. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really cool with, with that, like bridging the gap of like being technical and being a master at your craft, but not necessarily have to show it every single time, like in terms yeah. of speed. That's a really good example. I, I think back to like one of my friend's brothers back in the day who technically was one of the best guitarists I've ever heard from a, I can play this solo standpoint, but that's yeah. all he could play. He would only practice the hard parts and then you'd yeah. be like, let's play the song. And he didn't know how to play any of the other parts. And so wow. I'm like, that's not really, that doesn't do anything. I mean, I'm glad that like he enjoyed doing that. But as far as like trying to play with a band or trying to write music, it doesn't, it's not that helpful really at the end of the day. Did this guy, did he cr- come up with his own music at all? Not like, really. Was he just like not good to at my sh- knowledge? Not, like, Okay, so just, so like his yeah, his he, his bread and butter was literally just guitar solo covers. Yeah, that's it. Like, and sp- that's, specifically that's, like that's mostly unique. hair metal. Yeah, and 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 as far as I know, that's all he played forever. I don't even know if the, he really plays that much anymore. Still, one of the best guitarists I've ever seen, but like he couldn't play a song, and that's like, I mean, then I guess then to my, my question is like, well then what's the point, I guess, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if we can't play a song together, you know? Yeah, I'm not I've trying never, to critique ne- him. I think he was happy, but uh, it was I've just... I've never heard of that. Didn't... Yeah, I mean, to each their own, I guess, you know, whatever. I can't, yeah. I, can, I can't play any 80s hair metal solos, so, you know. That's a good point. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... I can play know. walk, though. I can play walk. I yeah. can do that. Hell yeah, me too, dude. <laughs> so, fun. yeah, so... Let's talk about your gear journey a little bit. Like, so you, you know, you, we talked about how you started getting getting into heavier stuff. Did you yeah. immediately then go, you know, start, you know, buy a metal zone and like start exploring that that world, or how did that go for you? Dude, my 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 gear journey is very very odd. Um, like I got like two pedals when I was with my BC Rich Warlock. It's just over here. I'm looking at it. Uh, Boss Metal Zone, literally the first one, and then a Boss DS One, the yeah. orange one. Mm-hmm. Um, being 12, 13 years old and every, every time a holiday and or birthday came, I would get something cool. And I got those two in this time frame. And yeah, dude, like, you know, do the cliche, just use the metal zone and just cranked it up on my like BC rich one by eight, whatever combo, you know, and just let it rip. And it was of awesome. Course. Yeah. It was, it was like the quintessential cliche metal guitar players, like, starter pack you know? <laughs> bc rich warlock and and a boss metal zone it's like it's met you know it's so cliche but it's kind of cool how that happened it is um but dude but then like i um i didn't really play guitar too much like in my like teens and stuff just i kind of just plinked around on on that same guitar for a while um and then i ultimately got back into it over the years and i got a Marshall combo amp and then my dad got me a really used beat up Gibson Les Paul studio that we kind of shared. It was like our guitar. Nice. So that was cool. Like it was a nice upgrade combo amp, solid state combo amp and a a Les Paul studio. Um, But again, then after that, shortly after that, I went and joined the military and had no time to play. So again, it kind of just became a hobby. Um, And it wasn't until after I got out of the military um, due to injury that's when I took it super serious and that was the start of like my whole YouTube channel and everything. So I was relatively naive to gear and all that prior to starting YouTube. I did it. I did that as a like curiosity thing, but also for content. And I kind of am learning along the way. I never claimed that I like know much at all. It's like, I'm, I'm figuring it out just like everybody else type of deal. Right. So do you, do you find that like learning in front of people is a challenge or did that or learning about gear specifically in front of people is kind of a challenge or was that part of the fun oh dude it, it was let's see like my initial thought was gonna be oh it was a challenge but then i'm like sitting here thinking about it but 
it's like a double edged sword or whatever. Like I'll explain. So like, yeah, it was incredibly challenging. Um, cause as soon as you say something incorrect, everybody lets you know, and that's fine, but it's the brutal reality and honesty of the internet. Yep. Um, you know, you got, you got to learn quick. Otherwise, you know, you're going to lose people's interests and, or, you know, just it's inaccurate for lack of a better description. Um, but what was also great, you know, I said it was challenging, but it was also kind of fun in the sense that I learned way faster by putting myself out there and like submerging myself in guitar gear, um, technical proficiency on the instrument, like, you know, just practicing and stuff as well as music theory. Like, I was, I still am, but I was 100% invested in just all things music, guitar, recording, all the above, as fast as I could. Um, and I'm, I think I'm better off for it because, like, it forced the issue, like I said. Yeah. Did you start your YouTube channel with the intent to, you know, for lack of a better term, like, be a YouTuber? Or were you just like, let's see what happens? Um, it was, it was uh, kind of neither. Um, what it was was... Um, I had 30 days off of work. Um, I had one of a dozen surgeries um, on my arm. So I had 30 days to do absolutely nothing. Couldn't work, couldn't do anything. So I was just laid up in bed at home and I was just like, dude, I want to play guitar. I just want to like kind of slide. I couldn't move my right arm. So I like would slide it under my arm and just kind of sit it here. And I was like kind of a therapy thing or whatever. But anyway, um, getting to the question. Um, during that time frame, I was like, dude, I have so many songs in my head, like that I've been playing for at the time over 10 years, I think. I just want to get them out of my head and have them documented somewhere. So YouTube was like, oh, you can just like record yourself, um, you know, obviously doing whatever on the internet. But for me, it was just like a catalog to get all the songs, all the covers that I had in my head out so I didn't have to keep you know, relearning how to play laid to rest or, you know what I mean? Like I want, I like, I love the, I, I love playing those riffs and everything, but I'm tired of holding on to that memory. I want to get, I want to learn new stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to get them out and catalog them for myself. And then just watching other guitar players running their YouTube channels and see how much more successful they are to me at the time. Not that I was, you know, I had like, I just started, but like still had nothing. Um, and then I saw how people are like using this platform as a business and as, as a way to get themselves out there. And then that kind of like just sparked more of a desire to be better at it. And that kind of over the years slowly changed my content approach. And then now I'm doing, you know, what I'm doing now and covers aren't even a thing at all now. Right, right. Yeah, you do a lot of different stuff, but recently you came out with a solo record. Is that something you ever thought you would do? So, so I announced it. It, it is not out yet. Oh, it's not out um, yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My bad. It, no, it's it's all good. It's um, it's out in June twenty fourth. Um, yeah. So, is that something I I thought I would do? Yeah. Um, at the well, at the time, I guess not. But like relatively quickly, within like the first year, I wanted to come up with original stuff. So. I got I got that itch and that desire to create pretty quickly, mm -hmm. um, just again kind of like as a self thing, just seeing what I can do, see what I can create, and then over the over the years, like my YouTube content has changed, my desire and my passion for the instrument has changed in a new way. To where like now I just want to be as original as I can and do my own thing a hundred percent. So. I knew I knew pretty early on I wanted to do it, but this is like my first time I've really put a ton of time, money, energy, effort, all the above into it. Um, and I'm just really stoked on it. So I knew it was going to happen. Just took a while, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, it's something that I always thought I was going to do, too. And then when I finally did it, it was nothing like I had imagined a solo record from me was going to be like at all. And yeah. so that was like coming to terms with that was was a little bit hard at first. I was like, where's the, where are these weird sounds coming from? And like, why can't I just like write an acoustic song? Like, <laughs> like what, what do you mean weird sounds? Like how, how you're composing and, and writing? Yeah. Well, the listeners know this, but like my record is like really based on pedals, okay. uh, which probably isn't that surprising if you look at any of my content, but like no. it, it's, I'm playing the pedals as much as I am the guitar. And so they just, it's, oh, okay. a, I understand it's that. very yeah. like, 
shoegazy, soundscapey, cinematic type stuff, and they're they're right. weird. They're weird sounds. Sometimes, okay, it doesn't sound like a guitar at all. In fact, one of the most guitar sounding parts on the record is actually a Rhodes piano. Uh, so, That's so rad. The, the rest of it's like this barely sounds like a guitar. But um, right, I just didn't know. I didn't know where that was coming from, and I had to, you know, with help from my wife, just like learn to accept, like, hey, maybe you don't like make music like what you normally listen to. Maybe you make music like this. Uh, And, you know, some of the comparisons that people made, I was like, God, these are not like, I didn't spend much time listening to explosions in the sky or Godspeed you black emperor. I have now, but like some people have been like, Oh, it's kind of like that. I'm like, why, why did my brain do this? I (laughs) I don't don't know. know. That's that's amazing that you have like Mm -hmm. that creative side to you that you didn't even know was there, you know? Yeah, I had no idea. And I've kind of learned to embrace it and just roll with it. You know, that was the big thing that she told me. I said, I don't think this is what I do. And she said, maybe it is. Maybe it is what you do or something to that, you know, along those lines. I was like, oh, I guess why fight it then? You know, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So why fight it? You created it, you know, initially and you liked it enough to hit record and keep, you know what I mean? Like you did do it. So like you obviously did it because you thought it sounded cool in the moment. You know, you captured that moment in time. So there's something, you know, magical there for you personally. Like, you know what I mean? Like a personal connection. There was, there was a few times where I, I got done and I was listening back and I like even like bounced it out to my phone and kind of just stood outside and was listening to it. And I was like, did I not like Steve Urkel, but like, did I do that? Like, yeah, I was like, that's so okay. All right. We'll just go with it then. So that's, that's amazing though. It's amazing that you're able to, to shock yourself. Yeah. With what it you was, create. That's really cool, man. You know? it, it was weird. It was weird. And I, I, like I said, I've learned to embrace it now, but it did take a while to get my head around. But your stuff seems like, I'm like, yeah, this, at least the clips that I've heard, I'm like, that's what I would expect him to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Super sick riffs. Like, yeah, uh huh. That sounds about right. That's, yeah. Oh, I, man. I, was, no, I feel let down. No surprises, huh? I don't know. I haven't totally, heard the record yet. <laughs> totally predictable record. No, I'm just kidding. No, that, yeah. But that, that's good, though. At least, you know, my, the little teasers that I've announced at the time of this being recorded sound like right up my alley, I guess, and sound rad. They, so thank you. Well, they gave, they gave me the same, that, that walk stink face we were talking about. Some of I was like, mm, oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. This is going to be awesome. Uh, thanks, man. That's <laughs> yeah. very kind of you. Thanks, dude. Did you record it there in your studio or did you go somewhere else? So I recorded it here, right in this very spot, and then I had it shipped off um, to Texas, to San Antonio, Texas. Um, my friend Fernando, he's a, like a drummer um, on YouTube, but he's also in the band Lions at the Gate, which is like an El Nino kind of supergroup. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, so Christian's the singer and Fernando's the drummer. So um, I just really love those dudes, and I'm like really – I love that band. I'm proud of them, but um, – yeah, anyway, um, the drummer, Fernando, had all the stems, and he mixed it all and then sent it all back to me. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's all, tra- all DIs. I don't even – I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just saying it was all DIs. I don't even know what the guitar tones were. I didn't ask it. Um, but Re- Really? Yeah, I just yeah, I just sent all DIs. I didn't, I, I didn't record any guitar tones here. Whoa. Yeah. So, but did you I'm, – I'm imagining that you played, like – into a plug-in of some sort so that it felt right. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> I, just I just didn't have, like, my clean DI. No, no, no. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is going to sound great, when, but I'm not going to listen to it. <laughs> what did you no. use for reference while you were playing? I used, um, I used STL Tones' um, Tonality Andy James. Ah, it's yes. An, it's, it's an oldie but goodie, man. Like, um, I love Amp Sims, and they're so fun, but I, I noticed, like, whenever... Um, just, you know, the nature of recording with amp sims, the more you like tracks you have, the more lag, the more pops, the more buffer problems and the more like crashes and all that stuff. I don't have the fastest computer probably either. So it's like um, the Andy James is like you could have like two dozen of them and they just never they never like crash or anything. So it's just like it sounds good and it's just reliable. You know what I mean? I've really enjoyed the STL tone stuff, too. I play the uh, the uh, oh, my brain just failed. Who's who's do I have of oh, the Will Putney one? Oh yeah, that I Classic. use all the time. Oh man, yeah. everything that guy records it sounds so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's awesome. I, uh, that uh, the, 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 
There's a uh, preset on there. There's a preset on there. It's like in amp tones. It's number 16. It's like evergreen something. It's a, It's the diesel. It's like the most unbelievably ridiculous guitar tone I've ever heard. And like, I have that preset memorized. That's how much I love it. So <laughs> I, check it out, man. It's it's wild, dude. That's super cool. Yeah, I yeah. really, I really enjoyed their stuff. Uh, and yeah, Will, I mean, he's done some of my favorite records, but mm-hmm. specifically like, the, and I think I'll, I'm not unique in this, but that uh, Knocked Loose record that he did, Different Shade of Blue, just like I can, that never gets old to me. That's like my, yeah. that's my lifting record. Uh, that's my, I just want to get excited about something record. Like I right, just right. love that album so much. And so much of that is Will's production. Like the guitars yeah, sound I mean, huge. All his records sound like unbelievable. How, how, yeah, so rad, dude. Yeah, Will, Will's, Will's, uh, Incredibly talented. I got to I got to interview him when I worked with STL Tones. He's a good dude, man. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, I I was actually supposed to get him on this podcast at one point, and it was this really weird time where like we both kept having to reschedule, and it kind of just fell through the cracks somehow. So yeah. I'm gonna have to kick that train back on the on the rails because I really want to talk to that guy. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome, man. It'd be good for the show. So right now, who are some of your favorite bands? Oh man, that's a that's a funny question because like I feel so um, old <laughs> with this answer. Like <laughs> I, I always just have like, dude. The older I get, man, I just listen to like Led Zeppelin and Van Halen, like like ninety to ninety five percent of the time. That's all I really listen to. So it's such a boring, like I said, old answer. But um, newer bands, I guess probably my favorite one is probably Spirit Box. I like oh, Spirit yeah. Box a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spirit Box is rad. Um, but dude, apart from that, like, I don't know, again, as I've gotten older, I just kind of see like I'm stuck in, stuck in my ways, as they say. Um, I really just like listen to what I grew up listening to. Um, and I'm just, I don't know. I just kind of just, I'm content with that. And newer bands, there's just so many new bands and it's so saturated and that's amazing. And, you know, I'm kind of in that pool in some regard, maybe not in a band setting, but you know, social media, whatever. So I get it. But um, yeah, man, I just kind of just, I don't know, I kind of just like Zeppelin and Van Halen. I'm kind of, <laughs> con- I'm just kind of content with that. You know what I mean? That's kind of my thing. Did you ever do much exploration outside of the rock realm? Uh, like in terms of like, like different genres, like hip hop and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I liked, I liked the 2000s to 2010s hip hop a little bit, like there's like a brief stint there where like Lil Wayne, Drake, Eminem, 50, mm-hmm. um, and then like Mac Miller a little bit there for a while. But that was that was short lived. That was that was like junior, senior year of high school. And then got it. Got it. after that, I kind of that from there, that's when I got really into like metalcore and like the heavy stuff it was after that, like in my late teens, early 20s. And then mid 20s on, I kind of just went back to classic rock <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't know. <laughs> That's but you know that'll probably change sooner rather than later. That's just kind of what I've been really into for the last year and a half or so. It's interesting how that happens. You know, sometimes we we do go in waves. I feel like I'm I'm a little bit all over the place at the moment, but my yeah. wife has reverted back to like we we both grew up listening to like classic country, like old school outlaw country and stuff. And I still oh, cool. love and and listen to a lot of that stuff. Um, but she's like on this deep dive of finding any and all modern artists that fit into that that kind of okay. ballpark. So oh, she's cool. just like, have you heard this person? I'm like, wow, there are so many. Like I'd kind of, the listeners know this, but I'd kind of like been like, man, most good country is like, not, there's just there's only a handful of artists that are like doing what I would consider like good country music these days. Okay. And she's, she's opened my eyes to like so many new ones. I was like, oh, this is great. This is yeah. like... It's not. It's not what I thought it was. You know, um, it's, and, and it's, I wonder it's cool why you had, that happens. Why I wonder why you have that pre- preconceived notion. Like, there's only. I mean, it sounds like exactly like me. I'm just, just like a. It's funny how we think that way sometimes. I think it's because at my last job, you know, prior to doing this full time, I got browbeat by uh, modern country radio all day. I'm gonna put that in air quotes. Modern country radio. Uh, and it was just like, this is terrible. This is, 
then that's all that anybody would allow to be on the radio in the office there. And so okay. I tried to be out of the office as much as possible, but I still had paperwork to do. And it was just like, man, I stood up one day and I was like, you realize they've played this so- same song six times since I've been here. And I've only been here like four hours. Oh, like, wow. It was crazy. I, I, yeah. I kept a, I kept a check mark. I don't remember which song it was, but it was some really bad Florida Georgia line song or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I'd kind of like just thought I'm like, well, I guess we got Chris Stapleton. Uh we got and he's he's the only one on the radio. And then we have, you know, Sturgill Simpson, who's not on the radio, you know, Jason Isbell, who's also not on the radio, and then like a handful of the people around the Dave Cobb, you know, web of influence that are doing it. But there's so many more. I just was yeah. I was not as uh, plugged in as I should have been for as much as I like that genre of music. So Well, it's, it's so hard to just, even with what genre of music or anything that you love, there's just so much out there, period. It's like, it's hard to keep up, man. You know what I mean? It is very hard to keep up. And that's a good problem to have, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's nice to be spoiled for choice. Uh, it, it does sometimes feel like an overwhelming amount, and it, it kind of is in some ways, but there's always been a lot of music, really. Like even yeah. when it was harder to record, when you had to, you know, pay a bunch of money to a studio or whatever, there was there's still like go to a record store and start thumbing through. There's millions of records that you've right. never heard before. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I guess I guess it's just so much fast. You can get hit with so much more music, for example, so much faster. I guess or mm-hmm. so much more instantaneous, ta- instantaneously. Yeah, we're really spoiled. It's it's a it's never it's been pretty, a better time to be a, a music fan, and it's never been a better time to be a guitar player. Yeah, really, it's, it's pretty rad on 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 all fronts, generally speaking, from the amount of gear we can have and how we can get our music out to whoever. You know, we can have the world in our pocket with our phone. It's it's pretty rad. You know what I mean? I mean, just think back to when we were kids, right? If you would have told me that, like, oh, you can you know spend like you know, a little bit of money on a guitar and you can plug into this amp sim and sound just as good as some of the records that you listen to. It would have blown my mind. Like, yeah, because I always knew there was something off, you know, about like what I was doing with my solid state practice amps and stuff. I was like, that doesn't sound like Slipknot. What's going on here? (laughs) Even if I played it right, it's like, that doesn't sound right. I just didn't, didn't know. Um, But man, what you can do today with a, pretty limited budget is in- incredible like really it's yeah. it's amazing what we can do now you can have a whole like a whole rig for 150 bucks yeah like like a good one i guess well i guess i yeah, yeah a great one i guess you just mm-hmm. need some sort of monitoring system if you want to play it live or whatever for like you know i, I you could even go to direct i'm just thinking like in a live live setting you can go direct to front of house yeah, for a hundred for hundred fifty bucks and like a MIDI switcher if you want that. Like mm-hmm. that's so rad, dude. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's so cool, man. Yeah, but but, but I'm a, I'm a, oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, but I, I am, it, I am stubborn. Like I still love the old school heavy amps and cabs. Oh, like me like, too. <laughs> they're 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 fun too. So, uh, but yeah, I just want to say that. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, I am only a recent like. I wouldn't say convert. That's not the right term. But like, I've only recently accepted how good modeling is these days. Uh, Why were you so apprehensive? uh, I wasn't really apprehensive. I was just mostly my attitude was like, I don't really need it. Okay. Like, like I don't tour. I play out here. I can play as loud as I want pretty much whenever I want. So why, why would I even care? You know, that That makes total sense. That was my attitude. Now that I have played some of it, and especially A-B'd it with stuff that I was that I owned and was very familiar with, and was like, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Like it I was at the workflow is what I was missing. I was like, oh, I can just work so much more efficiently, especially for you know, specific things, especially like pedal demos where I'm like, I just need this to sound accurate, you know, and I can yeah. crank this out relatively quickly. If I'm playing music for myself or like re- recording music sp- for music's sake, I'm still gonna plug into like a ridiculous wall of amplifiers and <laughs> yeah, just because I want that experience. But right. I I now see, I, but I always make sure to take a DI too because I might want to mess around with it with other things too. So yeah, absolutely. That's that. So I, I 
I might have been like a little bit poo pooing in a joking way, uh, but realistically, it was just because like I I don't need to do that, so why would I? But now I understand. I've seen the lights. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I, I sent my DIs for my album, and what I like. I like the idea of like capturing the real sound in real time because it's like it'll never be replicated. That's a mm-hmm. that's a, a moment in time. It's kind of like kind of out there of a thought process, but like you know that moment in time will never be replicated. Like you you caught it with that mic placement, that room, that preamp, whatever you know, cab, all the above. So like it's it'll always be unique to your experience, but like an amp sim will always sound the same. Mm-hmm. every single time on everybody's di so it's like i just feel it as like unfortunately it's not your like moment in time captured tone right and i just think that's like a cool thing as well with guitar playing i think that's a cool little thing it's it's something that i think we as players like appreciate like the idea yeah. like that mic caught those air molecules moving at just the right moment you, get it. you know you get like it. You get yeah it. there's something kind of special about it especially in in you know, in certain environments and places too, you know, yeah. there's some places you walk in, like I did a tour of RCA studio B in Nashville, uh, which oh, is kind sick. of a touristy thing to do, but like it was, they, they, they do They do a cool thing where they tell you all the story and they, they take you in the main room and they shut the lights off and they play like an Elvis song. And then I'm, I got like goosebumps. I know that was like yeah. the intended effect, but I was like, whoa, this room's got something in it. Like these walls that's, have experienced that's awesome, something. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, you know, would you rather like play your, like do what I did, send your DI to whoever to mix whatever? Or like, would you like want to record it like, I don't know, uh, I don't know, like electric lady studios in New York right. City? You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. how sick would that be? You know, yeah. So you get it. Yeah, I hope that those places survive, you know? That's really, really challenging Ugh. to keep a high-end studio rolling. And uh, it's it's uh, because, you know, as great as all this stuff is, it's kind of, it is causing the death of a lot of these places because you can record world-class stuff in your bedroom if you, if you so choose, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to, when you can do that and when everybody knows you can do that, it's hard to justify you know, from a record company perspective, like, oh, we're going to pay like how many hundred thousand to, to record here? Is Are yeah. we going to see a return on that? Maybe. Probably not, though. Like, you yeah, know. We, yeah, we can make, you know, obviously make way more money saving by doing it the more affordable way. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I hope they, I hope for the history of music's sake that some of those places can survive because it's, they are special and they, they deserve the status that they've achieved in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's something that's always in the back of my mind when I'm like praising modern recording technology. I'm like, oh, but hopefully don't we keep some tape machines around? Like, <laughs> please, yeah, just just know? just for the sake of having them. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't have mm-hmm. to get rid of them. But like, yeah, the hard part would be like getting like standalone studios to not be like turned into apartments and or torn down like. Because I feel like somebody will always hold on to, like, the gear, like, you know, the Neve board or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but, like, the actual spot itself is just as important. The actual structure itself, the actual rooms themselves. So, yeah, like, Sunset Sound, like, hope that always stays Sunset Sound, you know? Right, I mean? right. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know if you saw the Sound City de- documentary from years oh, ago, yeah. but, like, man, that one, like, oh, it's like, oh, it's it's gone, I mean, yeah, yeah, Dave still has the console, and that's great, but but it's gone, you know, and that's but it's not there anymore. It's not there. It's tough, you know. I think about like Abbey Road and all these places. It's like, man, there's some. I don't know. Maybe it's just nostalgia, but I'm like, to me, there's something in the walls. Something penetrates the walls once they've had that kind of those kind of records recorded there. You know, they literally did like those sound waves. Really, literally, did bounce around in there. I feel like some mojo got rubbed <laughs> off somehow. <laughs> <laughs> feel like you're hoping it like bounces onto you when you walk yeah. in there or something. <laughs> yeah, just licking the walls. Like, come on, <laughs> give me the, give me the mojo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Maybe that's a hey, bad idea. Hey, you said it, man. <laughs> I say a lot of things. I say a lot of ridiculous things on this podcast. Sorry, I love it. I'm here for it. So, uh, before we uh, segue into the last section of the show, uh, I, I keep seeing your Balagher. And I want to yeah. talk to you about it. I was purposely okay. like, I'll talk to him about it on the show because it looks awesome. 
and uh, okay. feels like it's specked out fairly unique. So, like, why don't you tell us about it? All right, want me to go get it? Yeah, go get it. I yeah, mean, we're on video go, these days. Let's do it. Go, go get it. It's like yeah. right there. All right, he's going to get it, everybody. For the audio listeners at home, I'll narrate his journey. Oh, he didn't have to go that far. He just reached around back there, and he's back. All right, it's so, dude, it's so large that I always have to be sure I'm not bounced, like knocking into something. So, <laughs> I don't know how well you can see it, but mm-hmm. here we have my 30-inch Balaguer guitar baritone. Wow. 30 inch. That's a long boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so big, dude. I pay it I um, play a 28 and I feel like I'm almost on a bass. Uh dude, <laughs> I I don't know why like I felt like I guess it was like a I don't want to say like a badge of honor, but it's like, dude, 30? Hell yeah, let's go for it. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna play baritone, <laughs> play a baritone. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, dude, so like I built this um Dude, honestly, ironically, I built it one year ago today. Like that's so on May May fourth, twenty twenty one. I built this thing. So, yeah, that was weird. Um, but yeah, this is a um, Balgar Select custom. And it's the Toro model, so like the S style, and it's got a hip shot bridge, thirty inch roasted maple neck bolt on. Silver Love burst. roasted maple. Yeah, roasted maple, so sick, dude. Um, twenty four frets, jumbo stainless steel ebony board. Um, silver burst, the best finish of all time. And then (laughs) (laughs) the, the, the like most unique thing about this baritone is the pickups. These are the Balaguer master coil jazz master pickups. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So everybody's calls these P nineties. They're not (gasps) P nineties. That is really cool. Yeah. So so are they, go ahead. Are they more of like a vintage style jazz master or are they a little hotter what's uh what's the deal with dude them? i have no idea i <laughs> i have no clue um i don't know if i think they're like dude, i'm gonna be honest i don't even know if they're hot or not they're, they're, <laughs> these pickups these style of pickups um i got this idea from the squire vintage modified baritone jazz master mm-hmm. it's also 30 inches so i literally spec'd out this guitar to play to pay homage to that um and that's the only jazz master I've ever played. And this is the second jazz master style of guitar I've ever played. So like I I'm so naive to like what's good in terms of like jazz master pickups. All I know is these things have insane clank and clarity and they buzz, but they have so much like definition and cut in drop F <laughs> with a lot of distortion. <laughs> and it's so fun. So yeah, dude, I'm like I'm really naive with like the pickups specifically, but I just know it has that that unique sound and such a low tuning. I think for specifically for low tuning, like baritone style guitars, single coils are underrated for heavy music. I really do. Yeah. It's that, it's that bite. Like, because when you're already in that lower register, you know, you're, if you, if not all the time, but if you have a humbucker in there, it can literally be just like too muddy and you just don't punch through in the same way. And I, I feel like a single coil really balances it out. Really nice. I you can, oh, I guess if we you can see that over there, that's my uh, Grez Guitars Mendocino. It's a 28 inch scale, and it's got oh, Lawler gold foil pickups in it. And it uh, oh cool yeah. And I think that's part of the magic. Like yeah, lower output single coils, the longer scale drop tuning. It's uh, lots of distortion. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I obviously I obviously agree. Do you know? Do you ever hear of the band Loathe? Mm hmm. Yeah, so like they use those Squire Jazzmasters. They they kind of made that guitar famous, um, and I think they're an E of some sort, drop or standard, like an octave below. So okay, like they're way down there. So I took the F approach because I love Meshuggah, and they're right. an F. They're on F standard on an eight string, right? Predominantly, so like I I play in drop, and exclusively like a drop tuning. It's just typical cliche metal player. <laughs> um, but but the uh, the uh, the single coils, the pickups, man, it's just like like you said, it's just incredibly underrated, and a lot of people don't understand like why I did that for a modern metal player mm-hmm. um, until they like try it themselves or like I guess just like try it themselves or like hear it in a room or something, then they kind of get it. Um, so I play I played this guitar all over the country relatively recently, and the people who came out to see you know, me play in this guitar, they like, they kind of got it once they like saw it and heard it. Cause it's, it's something that 
it's hard to describe in a YouTube video or like a demo or whatever. You got to like try yourself and you see how clean and clear they are. It's pretty cool. Yeah, my first experience with that, I can't remember. I think we just tuned down to B, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, uh, was with my 74 Tele Custom. Oh, actually, it's right back there. That one. Oh, it's okay. A, yeah, 74 Tele Custom. And the strings were way too light for the song we were playing. We were playing a Thrice cover. But we we're like, ah, we let's just try it. And so I, I tuned it down to like B, and they were flopping around. It felt terrible, but it yeah. sounded awesome. Like, I was like, whoa, that was when I was like, wait a minute, drop tuning with single coils is cooler than with humbuckers, in in my opinion, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah. or, or, or maybe not cooler, but it's not, not possible. It's possible. Like a lot of people think, you know, like, uh, drop, you know, all right, drop a EMG or Fishman modern, like, you know what I mean? Like, all right, let's get some blackouts in there Mm -hmm. and like single coils aren't even like ever a thought process so no and i you know dude i'm speaking from experience i never thought that would be something i would ever play uh but here we are so yeah it's just like a really unique thing and i'm super stoked and balagare killed it man they they knocked out of the park with this one super rad they make good stuff joe's cool they do joe's awesome yep well let's see we're approaching the end of the main podcast and i do have a couple of the classic questions to ask you Okay. But before before I do that, this is the chance where I like to give the guests a chance to take the floor, you know, shout out anybody they want to shout out, say hi to their grandma, you know, anything that they want to do. Like the floor is yours right now to uh, if you want to talk to a couple thousand people. Oh well, I just, <laughs> I'll say this, man. Uh, I just sincerely want to give you a shout out for having me on here. Um, oh. This was this was um, when you asked me this just I think last night. Um, I was so stoked, man. So um, I want to thank you, man. And I just want to thank like Balaguer Guitars for being rad and Victory Amps and String Joy and, and EMG. Those are those are my companies that work with me. I'm honored to say those companies' names. Like they're so they're so good to me. So um, yeah, that that that's all I want to say for right now. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, I was just sitting there. I just finished listening to your Man the Helm interview, and I was like, wait a minute. I was supposed to message him about this like three weeks ago. So I just hopped on Instagram. I was like, yeah, oh, send him a message real quick. Yeah, like 15 hours later, here we are. Yeah, I was like, all right, cool. Now we're doing it. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. And it really can be that easy, folks. Like people ask me sometimes, like, how do you get people on the show? I'm like, literally email and Instagram DMs 99% of the time. Like yeah. occasionally I'll go through management sometimes. It's usually a manager that I've worked with before that, you know, happened to hit me up usually is how that works but it's rare it's almost always like i get their email from somebody or on their website or wherever or i just shoot them a message on instagram like it's yeah can't hurt man (laughs) you know if you're not a creep people usually respond to you Uh, right 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 (laughs) and 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 i was so stoked man that that you reached out so thank you man really seriously well and i know on behalf of the whole string joy team we're stoked that you're you're on board with us Uh, that was really exciting i I love it man i got a I showed you this before, but yeah, dude, just woo right next, right next to me, <laughs> within an arm's reach. I got them. Now nah, they're they're awesome. I, I love String Joy, man. They're they're so rad. So thank you, thank you very much. All right, classic questions, and we'll wrap up this uh, this main portion before we slide over to the really cool kid section of the podcast. <laughs> All right, firstly, send it, send it. What's your favorite Boss pedal? Boss HM2. Ooh, the HM2. Nice. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. Found, I found I found those like relatively recently once they re uh reissued them. Dude, mm-hmm. my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried the reissue so yet, but I have I have an old one and then I actually made a clip of eh, well, as this podcast comes out, it'll probably be a month ago, but of uh, a, a, an HM2 and a MT2 and a Metal Zone plugged in together. And I was just like, oh I God. wonder what this is going to sound like. And actually, I got it sounding pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah, I, was, dude. I, I was like, yeah, this chugs. This works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd imagine it would chug, as they say. Yeah, it, it yeah. does chug. It also uh, needed a noise gate, but that's fine. Uh, nah, that's, that's, to, that's, that's whatever, to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with the bees. <laughs> if you know, if you never stop playing, it's not a problem. Yeah. Right? You, you just, know, if the, the applause of the crowd will... They will overshadow the hiss and the white noise anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. HM2. Nice pull. I like that. Thank you. All thank right. you. All right. Final question. And this is the one that gets 
a little bit dicey, gets people in a little bit of trouble, but I think you're probably prepared for this. I hope so. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, dude. Um, Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak pizza. Now, this is Philly a first. Tell oh, me yeah? more. Tell me more about well, the Philly cheesesteak pizza. All right. You have the Philly cheesesteak, right? Go yep. with me on this. And you have a pizza. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But now, dude, like they put like the like white cheese on and uh, like cheesesteak meat and like some mm -hmm. peppers and onions. And yeah, like they put the ingredients of a cheesesteak on piece of pizza i mean the okay, names, so they're not it's not the like names mixed, the names in it, the definition <laughs> so it's not like i you know sometimes people like i don't know i was like is there red sauce involved but probably not it's just just the cheesesteak stuff Dude, and then the melted so cheese i'll be honest i haven't had a piece of pizza in like 15 years whoa but when i was a but yeah but but when i was a kid i used to like house Philly cheesesteak pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> 15 years you haven't had a piece of pizza that's Dude. that's a, that's a rough way to go man yeah, well, like, man, I, I could be a bit of a hyperbole. Like, maybe one time, um, like, in when I was living in Germany, we were out training or whatever. Maybe, like, they had pizza. I was it for dinner. I probably had one then, maybe. But, like, at home, leisurely, when I have the ability, I haven't had pizza in a long time. Wow. Yeah. That's, I haven't had it in a long time, but that was just been, like, since last night. So, it was, you know... <laughs> Since it's lunch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I miss pizza, man. I just, I just can't do it anymore. I got it. I got it, man. I understand. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This is a blast, and uh, I'm excited to see what we get into on the the Patreon section on the, the on the cool guy side, as you called it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks, man. I really, seriously, one more time, thank you so much. I hope it went well. I think it went well. I know um, it went well. It did. Oh, cool, sweet, yeah. man. I had I've a done, lot of fun. I've done a few of these. This one went well. Yeah. All right, sweet, dude. Right on, man. I feel better now. Yeah. All right, everybody. For Ray, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks. There you have it. There it is. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Ray and I really went into some much deeper territory on the Patreon section of the podcast. So if you'd like to get that content and you'd like to support the show, help keep this thing going... Five bucks a month is all it is. I know I say that every week and you probably get tired of hearing it and you're just bored of it at this point. But seriously, it helps so much. It helps enormously. It literally is a huge part of the reason why I can do this because it pays my electrical bill. And without electricity, this does not happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all the patrons. And just know, if you're not in a position to do that right now, I totally get it. Things are weird. Things are wacky. But I'm going to do my best to still bring as much quality content to your ears for free as I can. And with that in mind, please, 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 please. I know I say this every week, but please, please, please share this with somebody that you think would enjoy it. That is why this works. That is why I'm able to get people like Ray. That's why I'm able to, you know, do this at all, honestly, is because people listen. So thank you very much. Thank you for spending the time with me. And hey, don't forget about the listener meetup in Nashville this weekend, the 21st, 2022. That would be May 21st, 2022. So if anybody's listening in the future, don't get, uh, don't get sidetracked. We're doing this in 2022. So I'm looking to eat some food, looking to hang out with some cool people, and I will be posting some sort of something here in the next few days once I have things more nailed down. This is kind of a by-the-seat-of-my-pants thing. I just decided to do this. So let's do it. Let's hang out. Let's, uh, let's eat. All right. Anyway, I'll talk to you all very soon. Thank you again. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, 
you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.